Hello everyone and welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga. Our heated adventures overanalyzing manga that we find interesting. My name is Sam and this week join Jay, Jacob, and myself as we dive into the new year by diving back into Kaiju number 8, chapters 55 through 76. So ring in the new year with fireworks or uh, maybe that's just Captain Mina shooting another giant monster. Either way, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always, here at the top of the show, we talk about our familiarity with the franchise we read this week. Although this is uh, another one of our long-standing series that we're coming back to revisit, so uh, just update on uh, where you're at with Kaiju Number Eight. Um, I, uh, as with most of these things, continue to remain where the show is. Look, I'm a, I'm a busy man. I, I can only read so much manga in a week. Uh, although I know these two um, are a bit more dedicated to the cause. Uh, Jay, how about you? Uh, yeah, so I had continued reading this series um, in the past few weeks. Unfortunately, I have slacked off. So I'm currently uh, on chapter 85. I uh, At the time of this recording, the most recent chapter, uh, 97. So I'm about a little over like 12 chapters behind, but I had continued reading. And I continue and I do uh, intend to get caught up again. That is my intention. Uh, I love this series. <laughs> Excellent. And you, Jacob? Oh, I am almost current. Uh, I had a little bit of a snafu with the uh, Shonen Jump app uh, that's since been uh, easily resolved. Uh, but one thing that I can't help notice happen uh, when it comes to me and experiencing Kaiju number eight. I'll be at current with wherever it is. And it's like a brick wall that just stops me. The series is so fast paced. It's so flowing. Um, honestly, it's almost better to binge it. Um, mm-hmm. cause it gets you, it gets you more story. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll hit the brick wall of, you know, <laughs> the release schedule. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop for a little while and then it'll be like, Oh, right. I haven't read Kaiju number eight in a while. Uh, so I've been I've been keeping I've been keeping current in the sense that I've not been keeping weekly current, but I am on the current like events of uh, where the manga is right now. Um, I'm a little bit closer. I'm at uh, 93. So I've only got a couple of chapters to catch up on once. Uh, once we finish uh, this episode, I'm going to be doing that thing. Yeah. Wait. You're just trucking along all nice and pretty. And then uh, Matsumoto Sensei says no. Matsumoto-sensei says, I have work-life balance, unlike most mangaka, I hope. And uh, I say, understood, sensei, take your time. (laughs) Understandable, have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope he has good work-life balance, because that's a thing that could be more afforded in the yes anime and manga industry but uh mm. we're not here to talk about uh depressing real world things we're here to talk about depressing things in fiction exactly and we pick up where we left off last time here on the show with uh vice captain hoshina learning that uh the severed head of kaiju number 10 uh looking like lord genome up in this book, has uh awoken in uh, his captivity and is demanding to speak with the man who defeated him because Which, uh, it, it, it's something that was relatively apparent beforehand but even more so now uh 10 is a fight goblin 
-hmm. Yes, it's just literally just a fight goblin. He does not care who his opponent is. He just wants to fight them and be capable of fighting them. I want to fight. Fight his life. Ten is a cell from DBZA. Uh, (laughs) He's a fight sexual. (laughs) I, 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 I just seriously can't get over how many teeth his character design has. Like he, he's got a row of molars underneath a roll of canines, and then his like weird four lidded, uh, his like weird four eyelids split is also rowed with teeth. I mean, he puts sharks to shame. I feel like a shark would be a little off put by this, but he is that. <laughs> another another abridged reference: rows of teeth. Yes. <laughs> So uh, Hoshina goes to interrogate him about uh, Kaiju number nine. And he's like, oh, yeah, I could tell you all about Kaiju number nine. But I have a condition. You turn me into one of those numbers weapons and you and I go out and slaughter. That's weird. You're weird. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They don't believe what they're hearing right now. They're just like, wait, what? It's like, yes, I said what I said. Take me out. We're going to go out there. We're going to kick, kick Nat's butt. Yeah. Uh, Hoshina is, is stone facing everything. No selling everything. Uh, I, uh, it is something that about this. It, it is something to consider. Uh, wait here. He leaves and then he just gets the dopiest look at his face. Yeah, that was weird, right? You and me like, both. I am, I am genuinely unnerved right now. Does anyone else think that was weird? I mean, even the lead scientists are like, you can't trust him, obviously. You can't. He's a kaiju. He's a monster. You can't trust him. And he's just like, but is it too good to be true or do we need his power? It's like, it's like it can be both. We're going to channel the murder goblin in our best interest. <laughs> that's all yeah. we can ask. I mean, that's ultimately what this is. <laughs> we, we just have to point him in the direction of the things we want dead. Yes. But the breaker here is... While we're talking about, you know, the whole conversion process of these kaiju into weapons, there is the element and the danger, the very tangible danger of who's going to be, you know, in control. Because the environment that we've been following along with has been like, okay, it's very obvious that, you know, these, these, the defense force has been able to utilize these these weaponry, these suits to kind of give them the upper hand. But the kaiju are, are evolving and, and are be able to maintain a bit of their consciousness. And you never necessarily know when your consciousness will be compromised. Yeah, the yeah. Um, and, the and situation especially- the situation with the numbers weapons specifically, because the the regular gear is from kaiju weak enough that it's generally speaking not a problem. But the numbers weapons, they're I mean like they're they're near Godzilla tier in terms of kaiju. So like they have a force of will from beyond the grave, like they're freaking Kiryu. Mm-hmm. And number 10 is the still alive, one, is actively self-aware and talking, which <laughs> I mean, considering all of the numbered uh, kaiju before that point, before number uh, eight, we're all just feral. It makes it, it makes it doubly concerning. And then we just have these two guys arguing over who's going to use whose body. And I'm like, can we? No, not. (laughs) No, (laughs) this is going to be awkward enough. This this is a in fact, a metaphor for sex. (laughs) Specifically for number 10. (laughs) Like I said, fight sexual. (laughs) Fight sexual. Yes. 
Hoshina is just humoring him, <laughs> which uh, it gets weirder. The it gets more awkward the more you think about it. So we're, we're you knew what this was, Ten. Just a fight. <laughs> just a fight. <laughs> uh, but uh, with the promise secured, Ten does uh, spill the beans, which is that number nine. Uh, has been actively producing these Daikaiju tier threats. Naughty, naughty. Indeed. Yeah, they're not just emerging from some natural phenomenon. They are being actively and intentionally created. And uh, Ten is his latest prototype. <laughs> Keep that in mind. That's going to be important later. <laughs> At which point, everybody immediately gets their pants going. This thing is a prototype. What? Before we can uh, think too hard on the implications of that, we need to get some posturing out of the way. <laughs> As divisions one and three uh, proceed to collide and. Yeah. But they have oil, friendly relations. Oil and water. I love Narumi in this one so much. Narumi? <laughs> He's yes. He is a god. <laughs> he, he he is playing into every role of like the tough guy Yakuza he possibly can. <laughs> Which point But Hoshina. at the same time you have to balance him with his otaku tendencies, and I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> him chopping on a cigarette going, Hoshina! <laughs> like, he, like he's like he's in the uh, Kiryu-chan! <laughs> <laughs> Me meanwhile, Hoshina is just over here spitting facts. Yes. And uh, that, that causes the most damage. Captain, <laughs> why would you tell such an obvious lie? I love how, despite the fact that Gen is a complete uh, posturing uh, baboon in this moment, you know, flailing around, uh, his, his team, his squad does not abandon him. They're like, no, Captain, what? Why? Why would you be so obviously bad about it? Uh, they they always uh, immediately uh, have his back, as you do. Yeah, the the whole squad behind him, even if it's not doing much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're on about. Well, well but... again, Hoshida, Hoshida is just stating baseline facts. So, <laughs> oh man, but. Uh... This is uh, all the build-up to the uh, cross-divisional uh, uh, council where they're coming together to be like, okay, we've got massive problems here. Uh, what are we going to do about the fact that uh, we have an enemy agent actively creating, um, like, planet-destroying natural disasters? And the, uh, and it, the situation becomes even more dire because, if you'll remember from last time, uh, number nine had defeated Director General Shinomiya and absorbed his body, which means he's probably got access to all of the Director General's memories and therefore knows the uh, layout of everything in the Defense Force. Yes. All the weapons, all the personnel, all the battle tactics. Which is exactly what everyone was terrified. Like, I don't know, I don't remember if we touched on this the last reading, but it was that was like immediately what everyone was worried about. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're just like, oh crap. We've we have a new vulnerability here. They they have our chief. Yeah, so here's what we're gonna do. You know all those uh main character young bloods that we've got? We're gonna yes. just pour everything into them. <laughs> yes, the youth are our future. <laughs> the youth them youths. That is the that is the arc phrase 
Yeah, director Shinomiya didn't know them as well as he uh, knows the, like... Old guard. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, but it's like, that's always the answer. It's just like, oh, you're going to neglect your new recruits. And then, like, the old guard dies off, you know, whether it be in this circumstance of, you know, being hacked up by monsters and everything, or just natural causes. It's just like... Yeah, naturally cycling out of the system. Yes. I mean, to give the uh, defense force the benefit of the doubt, they hadn't—they hadn't not been trying to make these new recruits good. They were just treating it like they would treat any new uh, class of recruits. Now they're like, "Oh no, we need to like <laughs> they either time this." Yeah, they're—they're they're either uh, they are either now the main characters or we are all fit. yes. <laughs> we need—we need to outfit each of these guys in their own unique weapons, like yesterday. Yes. So, that means we got to get somebody in the number six uh, weapon, right? You mean the thing that literally nobody's been able to use because it's basically Godzilla turned into a power suit? Yes. We got to make it work, people. Make it work. Well, uh, who's main character enough to make this work? Is it uh, Ikaru? Is it Iharu? No, it's Reno! It's Leno! <laughs> I love this boy. Our He's boy. gorgeous. Yeah, uh, to be fair, he is... There, there, there are three characters who have strong protagonist energy that sort of compete for the uh, spotlight uh, with like two others who uh, have been like perpetually rising. You've got Kafka, who is presumably the main character. You have uh, Kikaru, who we don't get to it in this reading section, but is going to have Her most moment. of the character development of the entire series uh, coming up soon. And uh, we have Reno, so they give it to Reno. Uh, Hoshina and uh, Narumi are the other two uh, that are sort of creeping up into protagonist status. And funnily enough, we're going to see uh, <laughs> we're going to see that being expressed uh, explicitly in the narrative. Ugh. But uh, for now, we need to see if we can make this whole uh, number six weapon thing work. Because uh, up until this recent spate of disasters, number six was the most powerful kaiju that had ever been confronted by the defense force. And uh, when turned into a weapon, uh, the, wep the numbers weapon was so mighty that nobody was able to use it without basically instantly dying. Yes, it was a last resort. It's like mm -hmm. you have to just accept that you are about to meet your maker. Yeah, we we, <laughs> we we full Kiryu here. If if you've if you've ever read Halo: The Fall of Reach, then I, I think it's comparable to when they were first bringing up the Malonier armor, uh, when they put a random guy in it, and the enhanced powers of the suit made him twitch so hard he broke his own arm, and then he painfully thrashed himself to death. Like that's just what I'm picturing Number Six does to people who aren't a main character <laughs> yeah thankfully uh reno is um he, he's looking a lot like genos in this i'm not gonna lie i'm getting a lot of one punch he does have a lot of strong genos energy in this I scene just, yes yes very much so i do have a type <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love saying the quiet part out loud uh, <laughs> I, I can't blame you. He's he is uh, he is something throughout this uh, little arc he goes through. Mm -mm. 
there, there's a couple of great page turns where you get uh you get determined face i won't give in page turn uh hey tuco send for a stretcher <laughs> and, he didn't and- give in maybe not mentally not psychologically yet it's physiologically he did because he put on the gloves for number six and then mm-hmm. the over the overwhelming pudisha of number six's power manifests as this gigantic spirit entity that flattens him like a life-size uh number six uh kaiju number six face in his face he uh wakes up in a, uh, on a gurney like uh, and captain ogata's just like so you uh you give up right no no i am too much of a self-sacrificing protagonist this is going to be a protagonist i identify as the protagonist by definition i cannot give up i am the shonen boy he goes through an off-screen one month training period and uh we then next catch up with him Uh, going to do his first field test run, which is also the final test. If he can pull this off uh, with the suit and not, you know, get himself killed or render himself incapable of fighting, uh, he'll be designated as uh, number six's wearer. And uh, conveniently, they've got a massive freaking kaiju to deal with. I really like the design of this thing. It's this big quadrupedal thing. Looks like a... It's a nice, simple this design. Is the... It does look like a bearded lizard. Oh, you're right. Oh, they kill it. Oh, this particular arc is like, I know we've said it a few times in our episodes on Kaiju number eight, but this really is just like shonen distilled, this manga. Mm. And this arc particularly shows it. Because <laughs> Which Jake we... and I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This arc hits all of the classics. like. They all uh, deploy to go and attack the kaiju, and Reno blasts off ahead, and everyone goes, hi hi, he's so fast! Like, one of the things that uh, Kaiju Number 8 does to set itself apart is, and, like, this is something that that the series has been playing with from the very beginning, and will continue to play with over the course of... uh, uh, Spoilers, we're only about halfway through the current arc because it's it's a big one. Um, Something that the um, series is going to play with a lot like moving forward and has been doing since the beginning is the idea of basically everyone could be the protagonist of a different series. If you swapped out the rest of the cast, but kept any one character, they could easily be the protagonist of the entire series. Oh, definitely. It is a very by the books, by the numbers shonen, showing the strengths of shonen, showing why it's uh, why it's popular, why it's liked, why it can, and how it can work really, really well. But the sort of unique twist that it takes besides its aesthetic is um, it's throwing all of these protagonists into the same series and seeing how they interact with each other. Because, I mean, not for nothing, but someone has to be, like, the main character, as it were. Um, you know, or do they, I think, is... Uh, you know, the not the current like training bit, but the arc that we're going to start at the end of our reading plays into the idea of uh, a, a different way of working. Because one thing that especially shonens that have been cut in the mold of Dragon Ball in particular have a really hard time dealing with is the idea of um, protagonist syndrome, I guess. 
where um, you have a Goku and the Goku does everything and the supporting cast is just kind of there for flavor. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem that a lot of even good shonen have. Uh, some of them, by nature of their structure, it isn't a problem. But Kaiju number eight seems to be intentionally designed to address this common pitfall of uh, shonen writing where, you know, you gotta have you gotta have the character who is the one with the drive to be number one, and then everybody around them. If the series lasts long enough, they kind of leave everybody else in the dust by the nature of you know shonen progression. Uh, quite frankly, Iharu's entire character is based around the idea specifically of what happens when someone with the shonen drive is you know presented with you know I mean like he could be the protagonist of his own story. Like that, that's everything. Every time he is like focused on, it's about how he could, he should be the protagonist if it weren't for all these other protagonists. And it's like, that should, that should necessarily slot him into the Lancer position. Like he should be the Vegeta, but like he's unwilling to accept that. And like trying to find a place that isn't just being the Vegeta, but also, not losing that identity of you know the the hardworking, determined plucky up and comer yeah he needs to find his own niche to kind of shine mm -hmm. in a way and in literally a entire field of protagonists how am i going to hold true to my to my morals to my drive and still to my identity to my identity and still be able to shine in my own right and not be seen as like oh i'm just another plucky Protagged. Because because mm. multiple times he's been in the position of he ends up being like a uh, a source of uh like he, he ends up being an emotional rock, a source of strength for another character to come in and save the day where, mm -hmm. you know, he fights, but he loses, but he holds on and he shows enough determination that like it buys enough time stroke inspires a stronger character to do the job he was trying to do. And he hates that he is resentful of the fact that that is the role he is sort of fallen into and yeah. he is doing everything he can to not simply be that whilst still providing that for the team at the same time because <laughs> one of the things we see throughout this uh fight is iharu is having a few flashbacks uh particularly in chapter 61 where he uh reflects on the fact that when he was in um you know the kaiju slayer academy or i forget exactly what they're called but you know the the yeah. magic school for killing big monsters yeah the the, the pre-series location exactly he was you know that standout star the one who uh always seemed to start strong and get stronger improving constantly and he felt pretty good about that and then he got into the actual defense force was surrounded by people like that, but even more better. -er. <laughs> and uh, he felt he's hit this plateau. It was bad enough when he had to deal with Kikaru and, and, and even like Kafka to an extent and some of the other ones. And then there's Reno, who, <laughs> who is his, his exact story. But now he's one of the people being left behind in it. Mm -hmm. And it's driving him nuts. Uh, but one of the things that I really, really like is despite the fact that he experiences this resentment, it doesn't turn into a into like a hatred of Reno. Like it would be so easy 
for this to turn into a kind of Bakugo situation where hmm. all the where it's all like expressed as you know anger and lashing out at the other guy and you know being uh very unhealthy with processing the emotion meanwhile reno's just like no okay i i can i have to do this thing i have to be in this role right now i'm gonna do it but every time this happens i'm going to berate myself to try harder this rising tide can lift all ships uh there there is a a large extent of uh he has like he has a lot of similar character traits to bakugo right down to looking vaguely similar um (laughs) sharp teeth spiky blonde hair yeah and like the thing is the big difference between him and bakugo is he recognizes that the problem is with himself and his self-perception in other words emotional intelligence yeah he has and i mean not for nothing he is also an adult where bakugo especially when he developed the deep hatred for deku was a was a very young child and even at the current point of the series where he's still dealing with these problems is still whilst iharu is an adult and can you know process these emotions a little bit better and like you know he's very much a hot-headed hot-headed shonen protag so like just him being an adult doesn't guarantee that uh he's going to be like emotionally healthy and you know not all adults are emotionally healthy but like he's kind of got it together and he recognizes that his problem is something to reflect inward. It's not anything that Reno did. Like Reno being good is a good thing. It's a net positive for literally everybody. No one should have a problem with that. So he doesn't have a problem with that. He has a problem that he's stopped growing. What Mm -hmm. am I doing wrong? And that's a really, that's really cool. Yeah. That's one of the, overarching themes of the entire series is the idea that just because you've plateaued doesn't mean you are incapable of going further that's kafka's entire original character motivation yes and this is why kafka is literally best dad he's best dad (laughs) (laughs) He, he has showed up to be the the fatherly example for all these young punks and i love him Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> While uh, Ihara is going through his own uh, little character arc in the midst of battle, uh, Reno is uh, doing the same, but learning the wrong lesson initially. <laughs> yeah, uh, Reno is on a very, uh, I have to try harder, uh, even if it breaks me, mm-hmm. sort of. Uh... He's literally trying to break the plateau, not metaphorically, literally break, break it. Yeah, man, that does he, not work He is well. smashing into a literal <laughs> plateau that, that even has the highway where uh, Vegeta fought 18. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, he's going full Virgil for a bit here, just going like, I need more power. <laughs> the power! <laughs> As he just keeps drawing more and more on the, on, uh, the number six suit, like surpassing his original uh, power output. Um, yeah, the, and isn't there... I don't know if it's at this point they reveal that there's a certain threshold of power. Um, I think it's like a time power output. It's it's a time limit because like if you use it for too long, it basically does what an entire career in the NFL does to your body in ten minutes. It's the same concept as uh, the Kaioken from Dragon Ball. You're putting such a strain on your body eventually. Uh, your body can only handle so much of this movement. Like it, it allows you to like you know, super jump and, uh, you know, like lift buildings and stuff, but it's still a human body underneath that suit. So, you know, 
even with the uh, assistance and support of the uh, of the suits, there's only, uh, you know, so much weight that a bone can bear before it snaps. Yeah, mm-hmm. this one, Captain Ogata pointing out that uh, this is also an extreme like battlefield high, which is just amplified by the effect of the kaiju suit. So it's it's overclocking his brain and it's forcing him deeper and deeper into his uh, self-destructive tendencies of needing to shoulder all the burden. And uh, thankfully, before it, you know, splits him in half or whatever, Iharu uh, be- headbutts uh, him. Head- he, do- he does the let's see you grit those teeth. <laughs> I-, I love it. Not it's- like that, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> this is not over manga cast after dark. I'm hey. trying, guys. I'm trying. Hey, hey. I ship it. <laughs> I ship it. The, <laughs> the, the last panel on uh, chapter 62. You can't tell me that doesn't look like a romantic confession panel. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> They're my favorite couple, but not a couple yet. Yet. <laughs> but uh, that is... Uh, after that, it's uh, expected uh, shonen action uh, adventures from there as uh, the power of uh, friendship allows uh, both of them to continue uh, output and defeat the massive monster. Uh, and then we get a bunch of Survivor's Guild. Mm, so yeah. much. An entire chapter of Survivor's Guild. Which we honestly needed to dive into. And I've I was kind of like waiting for this when it was first brought up about you know shinya's mm. backstory yeah uh because uh uh during the final push uh ogata has a flashback uh to when he was a young blood in the defense force back in the day mm-hmm. and we see uh kikuru's mother she's like hyped up that she's a compatible user with number four and she's so excited to go tell her friend and squad mate about it and she's like, do you think I can do it? And it's one of the few cases where we see like genuine doubt mm-hmm. from her. Because mm-hmm. normally, normally she is either in serious murder monster mode or ginky girl mode. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's actually like looking for uh, re- for some reassurance from her uh, from her friend on this. Like, like, it's not a hypothetical. It's a genuine question. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, there's something really tragic about uh, about the fact that he answers honestly and regrets it. Mm-hmm. He hypes her up. He does the shonen thing of like, yeah, you can do it. Of course you can. And it's like, it, it's clear he genuinely believes it too. But like the idea that like he, he thinks about if I had said no for the sake of you not putting yourself at that level of risk, would you be alive right now? Mm-hmm. Like that's so like, you know, it, it it speaks to that sense that everyone has. Like, it doesn't even matter how old you are. That that sense of what if I just did that one thing differently? Like, if you're if you're old enough to like have memories, you're old enough to have regrets. And that feeling of how would the world be different if I just did this one thing slightly differently? That very feeling, like in the moment, there is literally in my head, my inner monologue is just like, "Why did you do that?" Thing? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Despite that, you know, regret weighing him down, uh, the boys successfully clean up the monster and they have an epic high five about it. And he's uh, 
overwhelmed by the pa- the the fiery passion of youth and begins crying which <laughs> which freaks out his junior officer youth sure is great isn't it uh yeah hey why are you cringing away from me anyone would cringe if they saw their superiors suddenly start bawling <laughs> i don't know how i feel about that but i would probably cringe too <laughs> just like the let the old man have his moment. <laughs> but you don't know what the what the moment was coming. <laughs> yeah, because it's all entirely in his head. <laughs> he just starts. He just starts ugly crying out of nowhere. He's like, did I do something? Do, do I smell? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, this is is such great expressions it's a very like simple and flat art style and it uses it to great effect to create some of the best freaking faces Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah with that Renault has officially passed the test and is uh the bearer of uh numbers weapon six thus making him one of the linchpins in the defense plan to defeat number nine and keep the world safe and uh, as he's delivering uh, the good news to Mina about it, he, <laughs> poor Okada, just continues to suffer extreme survivor guilt. I feel so <laughs> bad for the man. The last page. And nobody knows why. <laughs> the last page of him on the phone with Mina pulling out the picture of his old squad, <laughs> including uh, Shinomiya, is just, uh, I, 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 you know what? Screw subtlety. I don't care if he basically uh, says, I have survivor's guilt. I need to make sure this works. It it still hits hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's the, one of the many potent things about this particular manga. It, it hits all of the well-trodden notes, but it does it in a way that is so effective. I mean, you know, tropes are tools. Uh, mm-hmm. They can be used poorly. They can be overused. But in all honesty, I think I think a lot of like a lot of good popcorn stuff like Kaiju number eight is um, I think it really goes to show that when a trope is overused, it's hard. It like it has to be overused in like its own internal thing for it to be a, a problem with the story. Like you might see it too much in like, a, you know, it's like you you read broadly a bunch of different media and you see a trope over and over again it's not necessarily a problem with the story itself that it's you know treading old ground you know like unless it's going back to the well on the same thing multiple times in its own story like that's where you know overused tropes become a narrative problem Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the with uh, Gaiju number eight is basically a series that's a bunch of tropes glued together. I hadn't really thought of it like that before, <laughs> but like <laughs> it's one of those ones where it's like that. But I, I I might have to go back and look at some uh, uh, media I previously dismissed because I feel like that to some extent might be a bit of a check your own biases moment of uh, you know maybe maybe I'm the I'm the problem here, but. <laughs> Uh, but before we get too self-reflective, uh, we're going to be getting into a pretty self-reflective ar- uh, arc for our boy Kafka. So how about we take a uh, quick break here, uh, get some water while uh, <laughs> Reno <laughs> rests up in the hospital, and we'll be right back after this, folks. And 
Welcome back to the show, folks, where last we left our uh, collection of our, our ever-growing collection of protagonists. Oh. Uh, we had just finished uh, with Reno and Iharu going through a uh, a pair of character arcs that ended with both of them kicking some major ass and uh, learning some important lessons. And so now it's Kafka's turn because he hasn't gotten focus in a little while and we, we need to get back to that. He's he's supposed to be the main protag. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Can I just say I really love the the cover art for chapter 65? <laughs> yes. Of, of li little Kafka and Mina <laughs> with their with their kitty defense sports. <laughs> so Chip cute. Same. It's so cute. They're both so determined. I they think are. they ship each other like <laughs> <laughs> yes, they know that they are meant to be together. They, to they know their end game. They just have to get there. That yes, she she was just like very disappointed that he gave up on their dream. But now, no longer. Mm hmm. As is shown uh, with this next arc, um, as Kafka has a brief flash of parental concern for Reno using the super dangerous super weapon, before Kiko reminds him, "We're all shown in protags. Are you really going to do that?" Again. Oh, again. I'm just oh. saying, we're all shonen pro tags here. And if everyone's a shonen pro tag. God, they're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you really going to do this pa uh, patronizing bullshit again, Kafka Hibino? No. Yeah. Yes, That's we what are. I thought. But, um... but yeah, actually, kind of not, because uh, he goes on a, a, a midnight jog. He's been uh, keeping up with uh, his own training, and he has a bit of a, a crisis of faith in himself where um, he thinks about the idea that he's not really succeeded onto himself at all. Everything he's done has been because of his kaiju form. Uh, he they sees kaiju number... my body. Yeah. He, uh... <laughs> God damn it. I hate it when that happens. I mean, it's Kafka. What what can you expect? And to a large extent, he's seeing himself as separate from Kaiju number eight, and Kaiju number eight is the one who's been succeeding, and he's been riding on that thing's coattails. Hoshina uh, decides uh, he he's going to have to intervene in this uh, in this mope session because uh, Kafka being mopey is not is not acceptable. Yep, I love Hoshina in this entire reading so much, particularly here. Because, you know, he appears like a friggin' shadow of death. Uh, looks like he's about to kill Kafka. And then it's just like, all right, and that makes it... All right, and that jump scare is me getting even for you not revealing your kaiju number eight. Vice Captain, I wanted to apologize for not revealing my... I just said that we're even with the mopey shit. As he's, as he's putting Kafka in a very violent headlock. <laughs> Look, uh, I, I have a feeling that uh, Hoshina has some, like... Uh... I don't think he's an, always entirely honest with his emotions. Yes, yes. He's very much like, I'm just not great at ex like expressing emotions. But yeah. I think he's also worse at reading his own emotions than he thinks he is, because I really do think he, he has a like, like, I think there's some genuine bitterness that uh, Kafka is trying to take his job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You hesitated. What do you mean? Are you or no, you actually responded immediately. What do you mean? You are actually after my job. Ha ah. <laughs> ha. You? You're the one who encouraged me. You upstart punk. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the the sort of key to all of this is Hoshina recognizes the very obvious truth that Kaiju number eight is 
a transformation that Kafka Hibino uses, it it is still entirely him. Like, he can't really unleash the combat power of the equipment in his human form, but his kaiju form is functionally the same thing. So, uh, Hoshina is uh, recognizing Kafka for Kafka. Yes, yes. Uh, right now, it's like, okay, so the power-up is you. You're the one who's been using the power. Uh, Kaiju number eight is not a separate entity from you. It's a strength that you have. It's a dangerous strength. It's one that's uh, a risk to yourself and potentially to others, and we don't want to use the uh, self-destructive super form too much. So how about we... Uh, he, do... he baits Kafka into, uh, hey, uh, since you have concerns about the... Uh, about the kaiju form you can just quit i'll take care of it no well then we're gonna have to go train then aren't we <laughs> yes as uh, kafka is brought into another one of the classics your super form is too dangerous so now it's time to do a whole bunch of training on your base form as uh we he takes kafka to something interesting i i don't from a world building perspective i don't think this was brought up before, but apparently the kaiju have been a problem since the Edo period. Yeah, at least. So they're just a force of nature. They're like yeah. natural disasters. Because mm -hmm. he goes to this shrine that has been a burial ground of uh, kaiju slayers uh, since way, way, way back when. There's a there's a mural of a Edo period kaiju that looks so fucking cool. I it want looks, one. It looks really freaking cool. Uh, and it's a depiction of a uh, attack that took place in 1657. So this has been happening for a long ass time. Hoshina thinks that this is a great place for them to uh, fight surrounded by the ghosts of uh, Kaiju Slayer's past for them to begin their training. Purely metaphorically, of course. Purely metaphorically, of course. This, this chapter made me question a lot of things about the world building. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> oh, but uh, before that, uh, Kafka wants to show uh, how much uh, he's improved uh, since doing his uh, training with the uh, Defense Force. Um, there, there, there's a level of, uh, yo, I'm, I'm about to get my ass kicked, but I'm going to show him how much I've improved. And, like, he gets so thoroughly trounced, he's like, well, okay, maybe I didn't improve. Um, uh, One of the things that I really like, though, is they get they get like just right to the edge of that of that, you know, again, the, the classic of I've been working so hard, but I still get defeated by this powerful guy. Am I am I really getting anywhere? Uh, and before that can languish for more than like a panel, Hoshina's like. Yeah, no, you've definitely gotten way better. Which again, I I feel like there I feel like there is some like genuine genuineness to the jokey rivalry that they have. Yeah. <laughs> Hoshina probably doesn't realize that he's kind of trying to rookie crush him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, he's he's still focused on improving Kafka, so he doesn't actually rookie crush him, but. Mm -hmm. One of the big things that Hoshina mentions is that uh, you're relying on your base stats way too much. Uh, if you try to fight 
like you uh fight like you normally do in your human form, you are going to die. You need some tech, my dude. Thankfully, I have the tech. The tech passed down to me by General uh, Director General Shinomiya. That super rad brawler punch style that he was using during his fight with Number Nine, uh, and and against Kafka, mm-hmm. and and against Kafka, which is how Kafka originally recognizes it. He's like he's using the same moves that Isao used to beat my ass. <laughs> I have now gotten my ass kicked by this uh, fighting style twice. How how novel! I should <laughs> learn it. And it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Kafka can't really bring out the. Uh, uh the potential in uh like the standard kaiju fighting weapons but a bunch of the weapons are based off of like not really having a weapon going in barehanded with just the raw stats of the suits and that's what kafka's monster form is the other thing that makes me question all the world building in this freaking manga (laughs) for one it's like okay monster attacks been happening for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that's already interesting interesting how did humanity get to this point with that important question other important question as they are leaving you know kafka goes to like bow to the shrine do the respectful thing there's a ghost (laughs) there is a really sick looking samurai dude he's a guy uh kabuta helmet mask Big Lance, the the two swords and everything. <laughs> and and uh, Hoshin is like, hey, you coming? I, what do you... S- Did nobody else just see that spooky ghost? Nope. Okay. Well, time to not mention that. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Uh, because I had been current, I legitimately forgot that happened. <laughs> Me too. I don't know I like, what that's about. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but an interesting point in this reading, nonetheless. <laughs> Speculate in the comments! Unless it's, <laughs> like, revealed in 97 or something, I don't know. <laughs> yes, please let us know, because I desperately want to know why ghost. <laughs> why not ghosts? What do you have against ghosts, Sam? I've got nothing against ghosts. It's just, like, this has been a not really hard sci-fi, but, like... It, it's, it's been moderate sci-fi. It's, yeah. it's been kaiju sci- sci-fi. And then Ghost, it, it, it's, a, it's just a little unexpected. I'm not mad. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just very confused, and I want to know more. Please explain. So uh, both the square cube law and also the... Uh, uh, so, <laughs> the, this, the square cube law does not exist, and, like, souls are a thing, maybe, question mark. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Mangaka. <laughs> Uh, but because Kafka isn't done learning life lessons, se- seriously, he speeds run like three of these things in as many chapters. He gets his phone back, which had been confiscated, and he's like, I can contact the the squad again. should do that. I really should. Maybe I'll just put yeah. up the phone and see what's happened. And oh, God, I've got 500 notifications. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And immediately he starts spiraling, like, oh, my God, everyone hates me. Everyone just wants me to, like, go away once they found out that, you know, I'm a kaiju and all this other stuff. Thinking the worst, which reminds me of somebody who shall go unnamed, but. <laughs> See, CJ, you can't say that because I don't know if you're referring to me or Sam. Or somebody yes. who's not present. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Ugh. <laughs> uh. But uh, one of my favorite bits happens because yeah. 
He gets a phone. <laughs> yes. He gets, he gets a he gets a phone call from Reno, uh-huh. and he's just like, "Oh no, I got to answer." Shit, I hung up on it. Yeah, he he legitimately means to answer it, but he accidentally <laughs> hangs up instead, which we've That's all me. done before. Yes. Like, oh shit. And it's like, oh no! <laughs> He's going to think I hung up on him on purpose. Anyway, so he gets a phone call from Haro, right? He's like, okay, okay, don't mess her up this time. All right, Hibino, you can do this. Hey, Haro, long time no see. And then it's just Reno's extremely pissed off face. Point He's like, oh, the oh, so now you answer the phone. <laughs> Speech bubble is all jagged like he's speaking in monster speech. <laughs> it, it is the most married couple thing these two have done, and I love it. <laughs> no, 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 wait, Ichikawa, I, I, it was an accident. I, I, I figured the hang up button. Besides that, why haven't you come to in two months, you asshole? You know, phone. you know, we started off not hating you, and then you never responded to and our then calls. You never, and then you <laughs> never contacted us. And we still don't hate you, but we're considering it now. <laughs> Lovingly. <laughs> they, they took my phone, and did you try to get it back? Uh... <laughs> He starts to make excuses, but he realizes, and it's like it's interesting because, like, to some, to a large extent, it's like there was a lot going on. He didn't really have the chance to. And that's actually true, but he also realizes that he he could have and should have made time for it because his connection to his squad mates is important. They are family, and he was using these real legitimate things going on as an excuse to not knuckle down and do the contacting them thing and he actually admits it out loud which uh it's a it's a good bit of character development for him mm-hmm. yeah he he voices his concerns out loud which uh uh which um wow communication in a shonen <laughs> i know right well uh uh iharu uh also happens to be in the room and hears that and reno has heard the entire spiel already he knew that but uh mm-hmm. iharu <laughs> choose him out for it not even hearing it he, he is not having this for a minute it's like mm-hmm. i was worried you guys would be scared of me of course we're fucking scared you've got insane kaiju powers but <laughs> you're our friend old man you dumbass and you we're, know what we're if you scared. didn't want us to be afraid maybe you could have just said something <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it because kikaru comes in to talk to him and he's like everybody called me a dumbass yeah, that's well, they're right. Yep. Let's go. Well, yes, you are. <laughs> this is accurate. I, I, we get we get the phone messages, and everybody is like really like uh, supportive, supportive and wholesome because, of course, they are. Uh, I, I love the dynamic that Kafka has with everybody, but particularly with Kikaru. Yeah, because because he he's he's her real dad, despite the fact that we learned backstory about her biological father that makes that relationship even more complicated. Yes, mm-hmm. that was last time. Uh, this time, uh, nothing bad is going to happen. Uh, yeah. Speaking of her biological dad, uh, we have uh, a setup chapter which is uh, entirely framed around him slowly losing the battle within 
his consciousness fighting back against number nine sinking into the void and uh that being framed alongside numerous kaiju sightings where nothing happened just they They just show up and then just like disappear and they're just like wait was that a kaiju and they're like yeah it's like there's a huge monster roaming the mountainside there's a there's the monolith hanging over the train tracks there's a a brain brain ballerina yes who yes with no face with no face bleach ass looking hollow face you know what I'll give that to you. That's <laughs> like I'm right, aren't I? <laughs> and then we suddenly have... starts raining fish as it does. You and know, Shark yeah. Man. Shark Man loves you too. Probably love the way I taste. And, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that concept. We also have uh, Barry Allen, the fastest man alive, and then the actual spookiest ones, like huge oil storage uh, vats that have been emptied by having precise 15 centimeter holes punched into them and then massive craters appearing in mountainsides no signs of the kaiju that caused those either shockingly tiny and precise damage or landscape rearranging damage both of which completely unseen (laughs) not even like an explosion for anybody to notice so all uh really really tense Everyone's sitting around like they've not attacked anybody. There's been no death, no destruction, just stuff. I mean, there's some craters in the mountains now, but stuff happened. Guys, what do we do about this? <laughs> uh, we're we're going to uh, give uh, Kikaru the uh, the character development outfit. Yes, yes. Her very own Gunzosha armor uh, inherited from her mother because she is just a dragon blooded. God damn it. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the number four weapon. Mm-hmm. If and, you uh, didn't already think that she was a carbon copy of her mother, just... <laughs> <laughs> and she's uh, she starts training alongside uh, Narumi using the number one armor uh, in deep underground training rooms where their clash is so powerful it's shaking the base like an earthquake. Because of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, but uh, during this entire like calm before the storm training montage, uh, we do have a little cutaway that I really, really appreciated. Um, if you'll remember from way back at the start of the series, uh, when Kafka first became Kaiju number eight, uh, there was that uh, little kid that he saved. And we I see love her. this. It's so cute because we see we see a mother uh, concerned about the news reports of the mysterious uh, kaiju appearances that resulted in no death or destruction. And she's like, I didn't think I would be so nervous about a record, a, a record long break of no attacks, at which point the same little kid is like, don't worry, mommy, no. Mr. Kaiju Man will take care of him as <laughs> she's drawing a little child's <laughs> rendition of Kaiju Number Eight. It's so cute. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. He's he's reaching the hearts of the people. Yeah, they're 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 strong uh, superhero fiction vibes of uh, inspiring the the ones who will come after. Which you know, it, it it's fun because um, like you know, Kafka might be the oldest of them, but like he's 
strictly speaking, uh, Youngblood 2. Like, these are, these are the new guard. They haven't really proven themselves yet, and they're already, you know, firing up kids, getting them to want to join the Kaiju Force, too. Mm-hmm. Also, I can't help but notice she has multiple drawings. She's been doing this for a while, which is even <laughs> cuter. <laughs> she she is a hundred percent a fan now. <laughs> yep, she is a super fan of Mr. Kaiju Man, <laughs> which is uh doesn't really roll off the tongue, but you know what? I like it. Yes, she is small child and can uh, call Kafka whatever she wants. Speaking of heartfelt moments. Uh, Kafka goes to have his lunch on the roof, as you do, and uh, who should be there but Mina? <laughs> the words exchanged, they just have a normal conversation, uh, finally having the chance to catch up without all the uh, formalities and such uh, getting in the way. Uh, after Mina is like, hey, are you going to stop stalking back there and sit down? Uh, the one big problem is, boy, Kaiju 8 is not subtle. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they literally put... A gigantic divide between them in the most hilariously unsubtle way possible. This is on purpose, by the way. The lack of subtlety here is 100% on purpose. It is a very neon sign pointing, do you get the metaphor? Yeah, but you know what's interesting? This isn't the first time we've had these two framed with a big divide between them. I think this is the first instance where they're both on the same, like, plane. One, uh, like, one not above the other. Mm. They're still physically separated, but they're getting closer. Kafka is getting closer to fulfilling his promise. I'm sure nothing bad will happen in the meantime. You've already expressed your goals and ambition. Yeah, nothing could possibly come out of the woodwork. Nope. Of course not. Smooth sailing. But uh, they reflect on, uh, on their past... Uh, how Kafka would always be the first one to, uh, he would like run from his school to hers to grab her to go to the uh, Kaiju shelter, shelter during <laughs> it, during incidents. It was actually kind of embarrassing in retrospect. Y- yeah, yeah, it was. I was in middle school. Everyone does embarrassing things in middle school. Come on, <laughs> Mina, cut me a break. Yeah, but and she does. Were- she does. She's like, yeah, it was also really reassuring. You were so full. You were so sure of yourself that it felt like you could actually just solve the problem all on your own. Uh, despite everything that's happened, you're still that uh, headstrong, self-assured guy. And that's it's good to have you around again. She like reflects on the idea that uh, he's getting back, like he's coming back and she's happy about that. But she's also concerned that um, she recognizes there is a particular smile that he wore when he was in over his head and putting on a brave face. So Mm -hmm. uh, they have a bit of a it's really interesting because they they have a panel where they are thinking the exact same thing. But like they both like like there's a divergence in what they want at this point where Mm -hmm. Kafka is still focused on the like childhood dream of them, you know, them, him rising up to her level. Now they're equals, they're at the top and they stop the Kaiju threat together. Whereas Mina is now thinking I need to end this before he gets himself hurt, Mm -hmm. which I have a feeling that's going to uh, factor into some things uh, further on down the line. 
Because usually when you have a have a, uh, a parallel declaration where the context uh, puts their goals at odds with each other, that's usually a bad sign. And uh, Kaiju Number Eight loves its tropes. Uh, also, Kikaru, what are you doing uh, with a uh, bad dye job in downtown? <laughs> yeah, at at first I was like, okay, is is the is, is this a is this a Toriyama situation? Do we only have so many hairstyles in the in the bank? <laughs> We have yes, we have hit our 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 top line for hairstyles and in diversity. Yes, <laughs> but uh, no, this is uh, this is rather intentional because this is a you remember the brain ballerina. She, it can shape uh, shape shift. Yeah, that's terrifying, and uh, she has a absolutely horrific neuron attack that just impales freaking everyone in like a five block radius in shinjuku sometimes you just wake up and choose violence <laughs> i think every single kaiju has done that since the day they were born yeah the the weird ones are the ones that haven't <laughs> <laughs> and that's why everyone was so unsettled when they just all of a sudden appeared and it wasn't immediately like a slaughter they took their time Mm-hmm. they were getting in position which is highlighted uh rather beautifully in another one of those great page turn moments because mm -hmm. um, I, I don't remember if we know this character's name, but I'm pretty sure he's one of Kafka's old kaiju cleanup duty friends. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's Kafka's old boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's Kafka's old boss from the kaiju cleanup days. And uh, his daughter is getting married and he's getting ready to walk her down the aisle. And they go and they step in and it's this uh, beautiful uh, uh, arrangement. They've got the uh, all the guests in the in the seats and there's this uh huge uh beautiful glass window looking out over tokyo there's the priest there's the groom and uh next page there's a kaiju i knew my wedding was missing something <laughs> <laughs> am i late <laughs> and the kaiju just immediately slams its head through the wall causing a uh, disaster and this is uh one of an incalculable number of problems because the attack has happened simultaneously nationwide. They're learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's one of the another one of the things that this manga does really really well that I appreciate from a uh, shonen action standpoint is it keeps the uh, escalating power. Uh, very tight between the uh, antagonist and the protagonist. It doesn't have a thing where like the antagonists rapidly leapfrog ahead. So the protagonist needs to rapidly leapfrog ahead and just keep doing that until you get to like uh, Dragon boom. Ball. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a very tight race between humanity and the Kaiju on who's stronger. Because mm -hmm. we have. We have these instances of like, we've got these super prodigies in this uh, new generation. We've got more numbered weapon users than ever before. We've got a Daikaiju on our freaking team. This is awesome. And then we have chapter 70, where there are multiple simultaneous attacks nationwide, widespread destruction, attacking uh, civilizations like support systems, taking out uh roadways and radio towers just this. and like attacking things they've not bothered with before 
Mm -hmm. This real like master stroke that despite all of this setup that we've had for the past like 69 chapters of manga and getting these powerful protagonists built up, it suddenly puts you on the back foot uh, or it puts humanity on the back foot in a completely believable way. And uh, even though we're going to spend, you know, the next few chapters with all our cool protagonists being cool protagonists and kick in copious amounts of monster ass, it still doesn't feel like a sweeping turnaround. It's a bunch of narrow victories. It's still up in the air. Who's going to win this war? But uh, we did have my favorite harrowing sequence where. Um, oh, the- geez, this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. The the wedding party is running for their damn lives from the kaiju. The monster, another monster crashes through the wall, knocks down the bride, breaks her legs, and yeah. is a, is like mid-act of swallowing her. Dad in the ultimate dad is like trying to get the monster's attention. He bites his own a chunk out of his own arm to start bleeding to try to get its attention. He's yelling, he's screaming, he's waving, he's running over. Let her go eat me, which, like, God. As the monster is actively tossing her up to swallow her whole, and I thought it was really gonna fucking happen. Yeah, uh, it it goes as close as as absolutely possible to uh, the point of no return when... Yeah, Narumi shows up and Narumi's all over the kaiju. As he is. He showed up and said, it's Narumiing time. Yes. <laughs> and uh, this uh, this transitions into relatively standard battle scene, but there's a lot of uh, interstitial bits of, uh, her- uh, like, different characters are noting, like, this is a coordinated attack. This has intelligence behind it. These aren't feral animals wandering into places they shouldn't be in uh attacking uh people and infrastructure because they want to they're they're going after our support systems that we've been using to keep them contained Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and as i said it's happening nationwide so the defense force can't even send reinforcements to itself Every single division is uh, working full time to keep their own home turf secure. We also get uh, a a great sequence of uh, apparently uh, Kikaru is a uh, mobile suit now because she gets loaded into a (laughs) into a mobile suit catapult. Just love cannons. (laughs) (laughs) They do. Giant robots and cannons. Exactly. Uh, They they fit her up. They put her in the fit. In the ball and ass number four suit, she's got one of my favorite like uh, costuming uh, uh, details where it's it's like the half cape that's just on the waist. Mm. It's like like she's uh, tied the fur of of some beast she's killed as a kilt. I love that. I love that shit. That's top tier. And they go and they launch her out of a fucking magnetic accelerator gun to fling her at, at 10,000 kilometers an hour to go rescue the diet building. And we learn the new dynamic that she has with Gen. Kikaru is his dumb disciple, and Gen is her moronic master. <laughs> I mean, they are. They both are. They they play it entirely straight, like both of them have the serious mode face on when they say it. So even though it is funny, it, it feels um it, it, it's it, also, it doesn't detract it, it doesn't detract from the 
seriousness of the situation. Yeah, it's still a crowning moment of badass. And we get plenty of those because uh, Kikuru finishes her uh, monsters off. Uh, and it's like, okay, who's ne- who's uh, next for their cool moment? Ah, it's uh, it's uh, Vice Captain Hoshina with his new numbers uh, weapon, number 10. Where they managed to make this man even more attractive by giving him armored plates and a tail. How did they do it? <sighs> Look. What what are you what are you sighing at me about? Nothing. Let's just uh It looks cool. Oh, but uh we also get a we also get a really freaking funny moment where uh uh Hoshina is um uh he, he's he's like considering the you know the power that the uh number 10 suit gives and the concerns about uh, testing it in a live situation and oh by the way why is this talking it's really awkward <laughs> yeah let's not address the elephant in the room the fact that number 10 is not only still alive but still sentient yes Watching your every move. And having a conversation with uh, with uh, Hoshida. Hoshida also gets a cool launch sequence, uh, debatably. He, he didn't intend it because he's in a helicopter getting ready to deploy. And uh, <laughs> number 10 decides, all right, here's how we're getting out of here. And uses the tail to slice open a perfectly circular hole to just drop them out of the bottom of the freaking chopper. The best plan is no plan. <laughs> I don't agree. <laughs> Nobody agrees with you, Ten. And we have this very delightful sequence where this incredibly uh, methodical and tactful warrior in uh, Hoshina is needing to wrestle with the bloodthirsty berserker, charge headfirst into everything that is number 10. <laughs> they are literally pulling each other in opposite directions. <laughs> and yet, because their base stats are through the goddamn roof, it's working. Well, it's not really working. It's not getting them killed. That's an important distinction. Yeah, it's it's not getting them killed. And Ted is okay with that because he sees it as a challenge. <laughs> Shut up, Ted. You're not helping. He intentionally throws himself into outnumbered situations because that's what gets him going. But uh, I actually really like the way that uh, Hoshina outsmarts Ten here because he basically uh, <laughs> calls him a bitch. And tells him he can't. Can't let that lie. Gotta prove you wrong. Hoshina takes control just long enough to go and dice up some monsters. And it's like, huh, looks like you were too slow to actually help me there. Whatever, I'll go finish up the rest of the problem by charging right at them. Excuse? Like hell you will! I'll take over and and win the entire battle! He, He basically challenges his own power suit to a Gimli and Legolas who gets more kills at uh, Helm's Deep. And it works. Even though they are constantly bickering, their power level keeps rising, much to the distress of the science team. (laughs) The poor science girl is beleaguered by everything going on. As As soon as it was revealed that Ten was alive, she's just been having the worst week ever. Mm hmm. The ex- the extremely uh, long bad day that will continue to happen. <laughs> this week has been going on for over a month now. I'm not having a good time. But you know what? It works out. They manage to kill all the monsters. They continue to bicker because now uh, number 10 is bored fighting Kaiju. He wants to go kill uh, humans. So <laughs> Hoshina has to prevent him from doing that. <laughs> 
Stop, pull the tail out of the ground. We're going this way. This is not a negotiation. Unfortunately, uh, despite the fact that our uh, hero units are hero uniting it up pretty well, uh, we've still got more problems. There's more kaiju, including the ugliest sons of bitches I've ever seen. They're friend-shaped. They distinctly aren't. They just want a hug with their forearms. The That's more more to go around. The six super giant class kaiju. Six of them. Six of these bastards. That's Ugh. not very nice language. <laughs> They're not very nice looking. <laughs> They're also not very nice uh, individuals. They do laser beam a, a city block <laughs> for no discernible reason. Um, but then, uh, then of course, uh, we uh, reintroduce the uh, age-old phrase, is love cannons. Because, mm -hmm. uh, Captain Mina is uh, sniping them. How is she sniping them? She's literally not even here. She's 20 kilometers away. What do you mean they turned an entire rooftop into a railgun and put her at the center of it? I love this thing. It's so stupid, but I love it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure this plan in their head made sense. It, you know what? It worked. <laughs> The thing that I love the most is that firing this thing, it's such a powerful gun that firing it starts to wear down the body of the cannon, so they can only shoot it three times. There are six of these super giant class kaiju, so not only does Mina snipe them from 20 kilometers away using a railgun, she also makes every single shot a twofer. Double kill. It's Freaking awesome. I love it. But this is right about the point where uh, everyone's realizing, okay, so they're attacking our support structure, but this is missing something. This is handleable. There, there aren't any bosses here. It's a bunch of mooks. Mm -hmm. And given the way that number nine operates, we don't just get handleable. There's always the twist. And then the twist happens. It twist. Uh, nine is disappointed that eight hasn't showed up, but you know what? He can still get what he wants because not oh, all, yes. all the pieces aren't on the board yet. As we get the cliffhanger. Because you remember those kaiju that had been randomly showing up? Uh, all of them show up. Every last goddamn one of them. And each one is numbers class. So say hello to numbers 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. 15 is uh, the uh, brain ballerina that can turn into Kikaru. Yeah, Shadow Kikaru. And uh, another one worth noting, number 12 looks kind of familiar. He looks an awful lot like 10, yeah. Remember Ten how 10 said, said he was a prototype? That he was a prototype. Mm-hmm. He did not lie. And that's when the master stroke is revealed. Do a nationwide attack that's that spreads out all the most powerful units the defense force has, and then jump them. 1v1, me bro. Except uh all these uh hero units on humanity's side can't 1v1 a numbers uh level threat. So what do? Uh level up and 1v1 them anyway. Yeah, we'll have to find out next time, because that is where we end our reading. Dun dun. Dun dun dun. Uh, I love the next part so It's much. amazing, yes. 
So, uh, skipping a little bit ahead in the discussion, I guess, would you continue reading isn't a question for you two. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, this is what I mean. It's just something that I can't even say I regret not being fully caught up because it's something that, similar to Jacob, I have to binge read. Like, I have to read in chunks. I can't be on bated breath. Oh, no. Oh, no. I have to stop here. Mm -hmm. I mean, to a large extent, I think it actually hurts the momentum a little bit. Like it, it it's not just I want to see what happens next. It's also there. I do feel that it's more enjoyable to read in chunks than it is to uh, read week to week. Indeed. And uh, for me, it was like I actually had a few moments where I was like, ah, what I continue reading like this is good. Don't get me wrong. I, I at no point did I dislike what was happening. It's just like I think the part that personally felt the weakest in terms of writing was actually the little three chapter arc where Kafka sped run like five character moments. Mm. Yeah, that's actually something that I've said a couple of times about Kaiju number eight. I do think that the pace is too fast. There is a ghost of perpetual uh, storytelling hanging over Shonen. And I feel like Kaiju number eight, to some extent, is a response to that. Uh, looking at you, Dragon Ball and One Piece and Naruto mm -hmm. and Bleach and god it's all of them um <laughs> but like th this sort of like endless conveyor belt seat of the pants blind escalation and filler and uh lack of direction kaiju number eight clearly has an idea of where it's going you know i mean not for nothing but something that i mentioned a couple of episodes ago i feel like they could have done more with kafka having a secret identity that they didn't really explore because they didn't want to lang they didn't want to spend too much time on you know the story element it's not, it doesn't ruin it. And honestly, when you're binging it, the brisk pace is feels really refreshing, especially relative to Shonen. But it does speed run its plot points at times. And that is the biggest like writing issue I have with Kaiju number eight. Yeah. And then we got right back into, uh, uh, then, then we got like right into the, the five, um, numbered enemies reveal. And I'm like, oh, shit. I need to know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, in all honesty, Kaiju number eight is at, like, not that it can't do slow and quiet scenes well, it does them fine, because it, do it does everything at least at the base level of more than good enough. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it like that's sort of to have a few more of them. Well, uh, yeah, the where it's really in its uh, element is when it's uh, doing those sorts of uh, deep character scenes in the context of a life and death brawl mm -hmm. um it's just better at at working that way i think because the quick pace suits those those sorts of scenes better than the slow scenes that's i think why it feels like kafka because it's like i understand why sam you said that like he speed ran three character development scenes i like i get that but like it's also a level of um kaiju number eight feeling more natural in the faster pace of a fight scene um because, like, there's, like, a through line to those scenes, but it kind of feels like three disconnected scenes because it's just those moments. Like, I, I don't know if, like, maybe putting them next to each other was the problem and maybe, like, interweaving um, Reno's stuff in with that would have worked better, mm. but... It's a relatively minor uh, issue in the grand scheme of things. This is still a absolute banger of a manga. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it stands out because this is the one this is the one like tiny smudge on a masterpiece. 
you know, uh, at, at, when you start looking at it, you kind of can't tear your eyes away of the lightning pace because, again, there's a lot of plot points and character development I wish they did more with. But, I mean, what I'm complaining about is I wish there was more of it, you know? And, like, when that's the biggest complaint that you can have about a series, that's glowing praise. Mm-hmm. But uh, we did uh, skip ahead of the usual uh, question of uh, favorite <laughs> character and favorite fight. Uh, for me, in this particular reading, uh, Vice Captain Hoshina, favorite character. He got a lot of time to shine, uh, both as a somewhat antagonistic uh, mentor to Kafka, and also uh, just ha ha having a chance to show some comedy with uh, number 10. Yeah. Kind of so. have to echo that sentiment just because this is able to really flesh him out as a character rather than that guy that we're hating. Um, mm -hmm. We got to see him as more of jovial. He can definitely pull his weight and he sees the value in Kafka. Um, whether or not he wants to admit it or not, he kind of just really like him. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh I'm going to have to make that unanimous because uh, Hoshino was my favorite, though. Also for a slight, like we all had slightly different reasons for him being the favorite, because the thing I really liked about it is something that I didn't notice in my initial read was the idea that like he he comes off as so put together and like so in control at all times. But like, I do think that there's a level of he's not as in control of his own emotions as he thinks he is. I think he does actually have a little bit of genuine resentment towards Kafka of, um, you know, wanting to take his position. Like he says it jokingly, but I think there is a part of him that like is like, hey, this is my territory, buddy, back off, you know, um, which kind of like bleeds into the territorial splats that he has going on yeah. in the Ruby. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like like he he has this sort of like like a blank smile of uh hey wasn't uh, uh wasn't i the best in hand-to-hand -hand combat and uh captain ashino the best in long-range combat at the academy that you're claiming you won every award at like you know it's like it, it's Again. it's cute and he no sells it but like maybe there's a little bit more there you know and i mean like it sort of makes me think about why narratively he's being paired with a talking numbers weapon you know i feel like there might be a level of uh you know 10 representing his id coming out or something like that you know that's that's adequately unsubtle for kaiju number eight yep and uh for favorite fight oh that's a toughie because we have a few genuinely really uh uh, got some real highlights in here. Uh, the main one is obviously, you know, Reno and Iharu versus the bearded dragon looking kaiju. It's a cutie. It is pretty cute. I think just in terms of, even if it's a, you know, one done of a fight, Gen deploying during the nationwide attack and saving the wedding party, I think that's my favorite. Because... Sure, it's not exactly the most back and forth in the entire manga, but it is a great big damn hero moment. It actually made me worried for a character. Uh, it And it was a good cathartic uh, release of, all right, cool, cavalry arrived, victory, uh, maybe not assured, but definitely possible now. Uh, Jay, how about you? Favorite fight? Hmm, in this reading... <laughs> that's my problem i keep <laughs> yeah. thinking about the ones that, that yeah, are coming up <laughs> um if i have to i would have to say i guess 
Renault's practice fight. I don't know. Um, that was entertaining in and of itself. Um, there was some care, serious character development, and it really forced me to really reevaluate, um, I suppose, my perception of what I perceived to be more of the peripheral characters. Because as we discussed early on, like this is everyone's a protagonist. So mm-hmm. it's really, it was that kind of gave me the opportunity to really see how. Um, all these protagonists are really fighting for a similar goal of just being seen and, and really being able to not only be pushed to the side, but they all want to shine in their own light and kind of dealing with that internal struggle of like, I am wanting to support the team. I love my team. They are my family, but how do I get the recognition that I want to achieve? Yeah. How do I, how do I maintain uh, the balance between uh Shonen Protag desire to be number one, uh, youthful yearning for respect, and also I got to be a team player here because uh, otherwise we die to the monsters. Yes, yeah. correct. I it's sort of interesting because um, over the course of our discussion, like not during my initial read or even during my reread, but during our discussion, I sort of realized Kaiju Number Eight actually has a lot of similarities to uh, My Hero Academia, mm-hmm. where. <laughs> Like, Hirawaka is about teenagers, they're volatile, they're um, emotional, they're not good at conveying their feelings and communicating with each other, Um, but the threat isn't nearly as imminent. It is an imminent threat, but the villains are coming out of the shadows after having lost. Whereas in Kaiju number eight, it's a bunch of adults who are at least a little bit, and in a lot of cases, a lot of bit, more emotionally mature and stable, dealing with a much more imminent, much more uh, directly lethal threat. You know, the kaiju aren't creating an apocalypse scenario, but only barely. Um, And it forces them to be, uh, you know, a little bit less uh, youthful in their youth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because I mean, like a lot of these characters, they come off like they're 30 Kafka is a standout because he literally is. Everybody else is notably younger than that. Like, Mina is actually one of the oldest characters, and she's like 24, yet they feel older than that because of the nature of the conflict. Um, Speaking of which, uh, favorite fight, I'm actually going to go with the um, temple fight between uh, Kafka and um, Hoshino. Um, It's a good... It's a good character scene, and it honestly had some of the better choreography. Um, because this is this this arc, this section is basically set up for what comes next. There weren't a lot of big bombastic epic close fights. It was a lot of curb stomp battles. It was a lot of training battles. Um, and I personally feel that uh, the combination of character development on Kafka's part, uh, character depthening on Hoshino's part, and just the um, strong choreography of the uh squadron style martial art stood out to me as the most visually appealing of all of the fights all right uh good selections all and uh thank you everyone once again for tuning in to the over manga cast as always you can find us on all of your social medias where we are at over manga cast uh, we are also on YouTube, where you can like, comment, and subscribe. Our episodes over there are on a two-week delay, so if you want to catch up with our most up-to-date stuff, 
Uh, you can head over to overmangacast.com. Uh, that has a comment feature as well. Uh, give us some uh, suggestions, some recommendations. Uh, burn us out on some tropes so that uh, we can complain about your favorite series and drive even more engagement. And we, of course, appreciate any five-star reviews or uh, thumbs up you can give us on uh, all your podcatchers of choice. And make sure to tune in next time when we're reading Dungeon Meshi, chapters 1 through 13. If you're keeping up with the show, read that. And good night, everybody. Good night. Look, I'll, once I say good night, uh, sorry, guys, my, my shirt is talking to me. It's, it's a whole <laughs> thing. Uh, without Matt here, someone had to do the bet. Yes. Yes. <laughs>